I'm R.E.A. Schwartz, along with my co-hosts, Rachel Galligan and Pat Ralph. Welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. Continuing the conversation, something that we've been doing where we break down the games that have just, just happened, just played, just finished. Sometimes we hit it during the middle of a game. Real quick, we're going to run past. Rachel, I'm let you talk about yesterday's game, New York and Washington. I'll talk about Lynx a little bit, Lynx Mercury game, and then we'll move into today's game. Rachel, hit it. Well, uh, Washington, you know, they played really well. Elena Deladon, I mean, she she completely went off, and um, honestly, it, it wasn't much of a game, <laughs> if we want to be honest. Um, yeah, Elena Deladon goes off. I mean, she she finishes with 30 points, 12 of 16 shooting. Washington was able to uh, beat the Liberty 95-78. Uh, really, and honestly, from the jump, it was it was kind of kind of game over. Um, the New York, you know, New York tried to make a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter, kind of behind Kia Nurse. Uh, she got going a little bit. She ended up fin- finishing the game with 10, but. Honestly, it, it really wasn't very close at all, if you want my opinion. I mean, I, something that, that keeps me interested is the fact that Kia Nurse, when she gets minutes, as Pat has mentioned many a times over the season, mm-hmm. she produces, and they've just been yanking her minutes, which is a head-scratcher to me. I don't think we want to spend too much time on that because it was pretty much a blowout. Last night's bigger game, Minnesota Lynx traveled to Phoenix to take on the Mercury. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know how to word this game. Um, Maya Moore goes off. Now, a lot of people were talking about how great Maya played. And something that I want to keep in mind is Maya Moore in the first quarter scores 18 points. She missed multiple, and I'm thinking like four or five easy baskets. So she well could have been at 26-28 going into the second quarter. Uh, Sylvia Fowles was a pedestrian, four points, four rebounds, two assists. Simone Augustus and Danielle Robinson really carried the rest of the weight besides Maya. But the Phoenix Mercury, the story on that end was Diana Rossi gets ejected for tripping over herself, <laughs> and then Dewana Bonner gets PO'd and just goes off. And and Bonner just carried the team. Pat, good things happen when the Mercury can get their big three to score 12 or more. Uh, Diana goes out in the second quarter but had tallied 14 points, so the rest of the game – I'm tracking Bonner and Brittany Griner, seeing if they can get up to 12. Bonner gets in the 20s, but Griner, even with fouls, not really around and fouling out, still is unable to hit the 12-point mark and unable to get the victory. So you bring up a great point. I've mentioned that a lot is that when they have that, it's that stat we love talking about, that when the three of them each score 12 or more, they've been playing pretty well. They tend to win. Um, however, that theory has been getting poked in the holes a little bit lately as Phoenix right now has come back down to earth. Um, this is a team that's 2-5 and five since Sancho Little went out for the season. Um, people don't realize, like, she may not fill up the box score in the stats and she's not a player that you're going to necessarily tune in to watch, but she fills in a nice role for that team. She was playing a nice role that she's not only a great rebounder, but she's a great defender. She's a great post defender as Griner, you know, as we know, likes to a lot of times jump out from the paint Go, um, you know, uh, you know, take, you know, try to block shots, and sometimes can get drawn away from the rim. Uh, Sancho Little does a great job of kind of backing her up as almost like a safety for her on defense. And they're now without her, who was a key cog in that starting lineup. And the margin of error now for this team has shrunk a bit because, you know, when you have that trio of Bonner, Griner, and Tarazi, all who will be in Minnesota next weekend, the All Star game, uh, you have 
three great players there who can score and light it up. But the problem is they're so dependent upon them. And I've always thought this. I'm like, man, like they're playing really well. But in the back of my head, like watching them this season, I'm like, I'm afraid they're going to get to a point either this during the regular season or when they get to the playoffs and it's going to be like, well, who else do we turn to? Because stars will win you the title, but you need other role players to get you there. And if they don't have a bench, they have they don't have enough to step up. Like last night, uh, Angel Robinson minus twenty, and a Turner minus twenty six off the bench. You can't have that. So clearly, they're just they're not getting anything um, outside of their their starting that trio, and, and nothing consistent. And um, I think that's going to be a problem for them because as the season goes on. They're going to get worn down, and teams are going to start figuring this out if they haven't already. Yeah, now let's move on to today's games. Seattle Storm versus the Atlanta Dream. Uh, when the game started, they were placed one and two. They still are in those respective spots. But something interesting I want Rachel to talk about real quick is the Storm are one of the top offenses in the league. The Atlanta Dream, one of the top defenses in the league. When they go at it, historically in every sport, defense wins that matchup. Rachel. Talk to me about this Atlanta Dream Team that's just streaking. Yeah, the Seattle Storm are averaging uh, just just under 87 points a game, and Atlanta was able to hold them to 74. And you know, we talk a lot about the Dreams' defense and, and what they're able to do, and and they've really been consistent with that throughout the course of this season. And and we've talked about the buy-in, and, and they're playing with just kind of that fire. Their identity is on the defensive end of the floor; it's on the glass. And today, that you know that that was a big factor in this game. You know, Atlanta was able to out rebound. You know, Seattle forty-one to thirty-five. That's a big time stat. They had thirteen offensive rebounds. Um, so a big part of that game was second chance points. They were really active on the glass, being able to kind of you know keep possessions alive. Um, in a game like this, especially against the top team of Seattle, that's huge. Um, and so that that to me, I mean, defensively, what Atlanta is doing is the most impressive part. But you know, we've talked about offensively. There's been multiple games uh you know right now Atlanta's on a streak they've won seven games in a row which is incredible obviously they are they're clicking they're playing well um even with Bentley being thrown into to the mix here just a couple of weeks ago um she seems to have kind of fit right in with what Nikki Collin is trying to do but offensively we've seen many many nights where you've got four five six players and scoring in double figures that wasn't the case in this game there was only three but you know, they were able to do enough defensively to slow down the storm that really it was the ultimate difference of the game. Yeah, and, and from the beginning, I said this to you before we got on, Atlanta was fluid and energetic from the tip. And I say tip with the pun intended. Tiffany Hayes <laughs> has just been going off. We talked about this when the All-Star announcements came out. That is the biggest, in my mind, the biggest snub of this All-Star game. She is arguably the best two-way player in this league. Atlanta led with by 10 with three minutes left in the first quarter. And they just, uh, sorry, first first half. And they just ran away from that point. They, they kept them at bay. They didn't let them get close. Pat, let's talk about yeah. Connecticut and Dallas. 92-75, Connecticut pulls a big win, something I do want to put an asterisk before we get into this discussion. Okay, Dallas played four games in six days. That mm-hmm, is yeah. telling. And especially when you have the energy, besides the game energy that goes into it, when you have a player like Liz who goes off for 53, the excitement adds, the adrenaline adds to the beat your body takes. 
And yeah. I think that cannot be cannot be overstated. But talk to me about this game. I believe I believe we got a little uh, stats from Pat. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. What, what we got? Oh, what, yeah, what got? is that? Is that a microwave? <laughs> that now nah, that's a computer compiling your stats, Pat. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get to the stat in a minute. That We're going to get to that, but let's talk about the game first. And then I have a stat here that might make our Dallas Wings fans out there who listen feel a little bit better despite the blowout today. So um, as you mentioned, I think you bring up a great point. Dallas has played four in their last six. This has been a really busy week. We've seen this in the league. Some weeks teams get very light schedules where they get a game or two on the schedule. Um, other teams get four games. Dallas had the rough end, of the, the short end of the stick this week. Um, Connecticut came out ready to play in that first quarter. They came out, I mean, you shoot 50% from three, 50% overall from the field. Um, just uh, energy out-rebounded them, um, played well defensively, just an overall collective effort. There's really not anywhere here that I'm like, hmm, what was something that made Dallas did right? Them? Obviously, Cam Beige gave him a double-double. 25, she didn't give him 53 like Rachel would have liked to see. <laughs> but still, you know, you get a good game from her. I think Dallas is like worn out. They came off the Chicago game. You know, all the adrenaline from beating Washington and then New York earlier in the week. So I think Connecticut took advantage of that. And that's a big win for Connecticut because, Rachel, I know you're a believer in Connecticut. I know you're sticking by them and stuff. And I think they needed something like this on the road to just kind of right the ship because they've just been so, it's been so topsy turvy over the last month. And I just, I think this, I mean, maybe this could be the, something that, you know, is the, the thing they need to push them forward and stuff. You know, I'm encouraged is it, to see John Cole Jones. She comes off the bench tonight, 24 minutes, gets 15 points um, on 7-11 shooting. You need that. That's really good. Um, I, I, I hope that you, you want to see that this might – maybe this is what writes the ship for them and they're able to make a late-season push after the All-Star break. So my stat here is – let me get to my stat is – um, so in, in something I'm looking at and, and something in the WNBA and either of you might already kind of have an idea of what this might be, but I always try to look for what's like a, I've been trying to find out like, is there a, def- a statistic out there that kind of projects out or more or less all of our previous WNBA champions have had? Like, is there something like they all do something like, is there a, st- a, a statistical category they've all finished at or in w- within the same range that defines them? Um, if for NBA fans out there, it's, you know, we've had for the last 10 years, the teams that finished top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency have won the title. In college basketball, it's the teams that finished in the top 20 of offensive and defensive efficiency have won the title. So I want to know, what is that in the WNBA? What is that, t- like that, that defining statistic that prolongs into the, throughout the season? Um, and I was looking around and, and from, from my research and from what I was able to find right now that. There's one team right now, in, the, in over the course of the last 10 years, the WNBA champion has finished top four in both offensive and defensive rating, defense, offensive defensive efficiency. Right now, if the season were to stop today, there is only one team that can lay claim to that um, category, and that is the Dallas Wings. Um, that should, again, it's early. A lot can change. We still have... 10 or so, eight or so games to go. We still have the playoffs. But if I'm a Wings fan, history shows that might be – that's a positive sign. And, yes, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could get into about the Wings that can say, well, you know, maybe that, that doesn't paint the whole picture. But just based on statistics and based on a trend that we've seen over the last 10 years in the league, 
I, that is something that Wings fans should go to sleep taking, feeling pretty good tonight. I think I think we've we've got to bring up the play of of Shakina Strickland. I mean, good lord, she goes eight for eleven from the three point line. Um, and By I think, the WNBA record. Yeah. It, it, yes, which is incredible. I mean, she was she was feeling it, and I think Connecticut. I'm not surprised by them because of what we've seen from them from the beginning. Yeah, they hit a lull. They hit some rough, rough patches, literally some rough patches. But but they're well coached, you guys. And and tonight, you know, six six players in double figures. Um, you know, we even had another ejection tonight with Agumake getting thrown out. Did you guys see that? Yeah, that was great. You yeah. Know, so <laughs> that was probably the only uh, maybe maybe downfall with in their game today. But great win uh, by the Connecticut Sun. I think you know you see, you're you're seeing Courtney Williams. She's playing at a high level. She is such an important part of what they're doing. Um, you've got people who are back and healthy, and so you know don't be surprised. It's, the Sun are going to go on a run here. Yeah. I mean they're Absolutely. they're a team that I think everybody and and I I fell victim to this also because of their hot start and then that big dip. Everybody started to worry a lot more. They had a little bit of an easier schedule early on in the season, but I do think this trade and maybe the animosity in the locker room has kind of gotten this team to a mindset that says it's us against the world and nothing is better for a team that is skilled, but has lacked somewhat of direction and drive of recent than something like that to happen. So I'm not saying, you know, physicality and beef within the locker room is what's going to get them the championship. But I am saying that it might help them in this season, this specific season. Um, Moving on to a battle of the bottoms, as we're saying, the fever lose 74 to 88 against the aces. And something that I want to say before we even get into this game, I'm going to let Rachel speak about this a little bit. Um, LA, I'm sorry, Las Vegas they are just doing everything right, and every WNBA team needs to look at them and take note. Because they are just, they are backing their players like nobody else. Driving down the strip, I haven't been there, but I'm talking to friends who have been there. They see giant signs with multiple WNBA players on it, not just Asia Wilson. Multiple players from that team. They go around to different different casinos and bars and they're seeing giant cutouts and other things. You know, the way that the, the Las Vegas has uh, has taken them in and then said, we are going to hoist you on our shoulders so everybody knows you are here is just beyond commendable. Rachel, dive into the game for me real quick. Well, just, just real quick on that. I mean, after talking with Kelsey Plum and Kayla McBride and, you know, different people within the, the, the franchise, I mean, you know, the players feel that themselves too. You know, they're, they're just so excited to be a part of what they're doing there in Las Vegas and um, the hype that's are being built around the city and the things that they're doing. I mean, just to, just to kind of echo what you were saying, I think, you know, Las Vegas is doing a tremendous job, but uh, to just the aces in general, I, I, I kind of take a little bit of offense, even though I shouldn't with the battle of the bottoms, because it's crazy. Like I don't even consider Las Vegas is like a bottom tier team right now. You know, like like yeah, with what yeah. they're doing, they, they've won six of their last seven games, um, and so like to me, they're a major threat within the league. You know, it, it's like any any given night, they're they're able to just like like go beat anybody, um, and you, you're seeing players. Everyone's clicking. Um, this is obviously a new team. This is um, a lot of new players kind of put together. Um, and, and, and like they're playing extremely well. Obviously, Asia Wilson is doing what she's doing. She's she's gonna get Rookie of the Year. Um, you've got Kayla McBride who's playing. Don't count out Azure. 
No, I'm joking. She's good. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not even gonna not even gonna acknowledge that. You've got Kayla McBride who who's an all-star. She's having an all-star season. Kelsey Plum continues to be Kelsey Plum, you know, for, for probably these last, I would say maybe three or four weeks, you know, she's really uh, upped her, her level of play to a higher level. And, and you've got some support, support staff. Carolyn Swords is coming in and being really steady and consistent. You know, tonight she finished with 12, five, five of seven shooting. Um, so to me, I, I look at the aces and it's like, to me, they're just as much of a threat as even like the Atlanta dream are, you know, um, but that's that's big yeah. talk, Rachel. It is big talk, and I mean it because I just think the Atlanta Dream were probably able to kind of figure it out, maybe a little more veteran and established from an early, uh, early phases phases of the season. The Aces still had some pieces missing, and so like their start was a lot more difficult. But now you see what they're doing, and they're they're going to continue to make some noise. And and this was, you know, the battle against the Fever tonight. It, you know, at moments it was a little bit closer than what it actually um, ended up being. Las Vegas ended up winning 88-74. Um, Asia Wilson finished with 24. Um, Kayla McBride finished with 16. You had Kelsey Plum and Carolyn Swords both finished with 12. So you've got uh, a nice balance of double-figure scoring. I mean, they were they were dominant on the glass. Fin- you know, they out-rebounded the Fever 34-22. to um, If that's going to be the stat of a game, you're not going to win very many of those games. You know, my yeah, and and the thing is, like you mentioned, Asia Wilson. I mean, she is a she's she has become in her rookie year. I think it's fair to say she's a top ten player in this league. I mean, I would not be surprised if we watch you when you took for All Star next week, and if if um, her captain taps her to start in that game, just with how well she's playing. You mentioned Kayla McBride. I mean, she's a professional scorer. Um, you have those. You have a couple franchise pieces there, Kelsey Plum, like that you can build around. And and when you have a player of Asia Wilson's talent and her potential, and she's just around, she makes her teammates better and stuff. And it's, it's, it's good to see because, you know, the beginning of the year and with that, I'm never going to forget that opening night loss to Connecticut when they just got ran off the floor. And, you know, after that, we were just like, Oh my God. Like, obviously we came in the season with very low expectations, but we knew that, you know, seeing what they're doing now has been a real breath of fresh air. And, you know, as I said, they're only one game out of that eighth spot. And, like, if they make the playoffs, great. If they don't, that's fine too. But they're a team that we see now that next year could take the next step and get back into that playoff uh, into the playoff uh, mix. See, I, I get what you guys are saying, and part of me agrees with you. I just think it's going to be so hard for the Aces to break into this playoff mix this year just because let's look at the teams that are teetering, right? Right now, and obviously with the way this season's going in a game, we could see Atlanta drop to like 15th seed. And I know, you know what I mean? Like, right. But, but right now with Connecticut and Dallas, two teams that I think in our mind are a little bit more of contenders than the Mystics and some might argue more of contenders than the Dream are the 7 and 8 seed. So I just think that, right. and no knock to what the, what the Aces are doing, they are blowing me out of the water. They're, they're blowing my mind even the criticisms that I've had. But I just think with the current layout, it's going to be so hard for the Aces to leapfrog over a team like Connecticut, who are a lot, you know, I've been hyped on all season and and could possibly be a contender for a ring. That's where I'm coming from. I just think it's so hard. And that's why I'm feeling real smart when my preseason predictions came in with Las Vegas, Chicago, New York, and the Fever, all four missing the playoffs. And that's where we're at now. But enough about them. We got to talk about another team that is a contender. All right. 
the LA Sparks took on the Chicago Sky. It was not a homecoming, but Candace Parker had a huge amount of family in the crowd playing in Chicago, her hometown, destroying the Sky 93-76. Uh, Pat, Rachel, I'll let you guys take lead on this one. It was a pretty overall uh, event for the LA Sparks. It was a pretty nice win. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the Sparks, we've talked about this. They've been in this really bizarre... I don't even know how to describe it. This has been so weird. I mean, I'm going to credit our guy, Christopher Lopez from the SoCal News Group, put out a really interesting tweet about an hour ago or so. He said, the Sparks have won three straight road games and lost four straight home games. How weird is that for the Sparks to be? Yeah, it's so strange, you know, for a team that's been to the finals the last few years and has won a title. Um, but tonight they they needed a win like this. Obviously, Candace Parker, one of those just like classic Candace Parker games where she's doing a little bit of everything, scoring, rebounding, you know, getting everyone involved um, in front of the hometown crowd. She plays well. Um, five scores in double figures tonight. And while they're missing um, both NECA and Elena Beard, that's encouraging after that performance they had against Indiana on Friday. Um, just really encouraging what I saw tonight for LA. Um, it, it just getting – it just – hopefully maybe this is – you never know. Is this the win that maybe turns it around and, and writes the ship as we go into All-Star and then when we come out of it and stuff. But – they needed this um, and against a Chicago team that you know is going to come out firing and stuff, is going to play hard. Um, but, again, just L.A. needed a win. They get the win tonight. I'm sure they're feeling a lot better flying back home and feeling a little bit better after that really just rough loss Friday night against Indiana. Rachel, go ahead. I just uh, – the thing about L.A. is obviously they have the talent. Um, and I feel like it's been a very bizarre and strange year for them. Um, and they're doing just enough to kind of stay within the mix, you know, like, like they're 15 and 10, um, t- tied for third place right now. Um, and they probably haven't even played their best basketball yet this season. Um, right. I mean that from a consistency standpoint, I mean, when yeah. you have Neka Ogumake on the feet on the floor and she's been in and out throughout the course of this entire season so far in, in, in key moments, um, that is such a blow. Um, and that alters everything you're trying to do defensively, offensively, you know, so, so that's very difficult. And it's also difficult to, uh, find offensive consistency and defensive consistency as as your lineup is continuously changing. Same thing with Elena Beard, you know, like, like you're missing those two players. Like it's a completely different team. Um, so, so for them to still be able to come out and get this win, I think is huge. Uh, Chicago is a threat. They can, they can be a very serious threat, um, on any given night is one of the most talented, but also most inconsistent teams in the league, in my opinion. Um, but the LA Sparks, you know, I think the silver lining in this, and I, I saw Michelle Vopel came out with a tweet about Jantel Lavender and just her play as of late. These last two games, you know, she, she's really stepped it up. Um, she, she seems like she's being a little bit more active offensively, being a little bit more active on the glass, getting herself involved more. And she was a key factor in that championship run back in 2016. And so, um, you know, I think through the course of this, you're, you're kind of getting some players uh, maybe in a rhythm or some confidence um, as you're having, again, this inconsistency amongst your roster and your lineup that really might benefit L.A. down the road, um, if you guys are following what I'm trying to say. So um, yeah. I, just, I just feel like L.A., it's been a bizarre year. Um, they're still doing just enough to still kind of be in good, a good positioning, but I don't think we've seen them play their best yet this season. Right. Um, and I think there's something big time to be said about that. Um, 
Now flipping to Chicago, you know, it was nice. You know, Stephanie Dolson came out. She played really well. She was, you know, she was kind of in a slump there probably these last maybe two and a half, three weeks, if you will. And these last couple of games, she's Since done we had her back. on the pod. Yeah, we jinxed her. <laughs> she finished with 20. Um, so it was nice to see her, she, you know, 10 for ten for 16 from the floor. She got going a little bit. Um, Vandersloot finishes with 15 points and 10 assists. I mean, can, let's talk about Vandersloot and just like her play as of lately. I mean, she, she she's just like incredible with the ball in her hands and her ability to create. Um, I know she's not an all-star, but in a lot of people's minds, uh, she is. And she's yeah. extremely talented. And, you know, this is just still um, a, a Chicago Sky team that's just, I think, is going to be the story of their season. There's going to be some some really high moments, and there's going to be quite a few low ones where they're just not able to kind of put it all together. But you can right. see the talent is there. Um, my last my last point would be the play of Cheyenne Parker. I mean, she finishes mm. with 14 points. She's playing extremely well lately off, off the bench, giving them some really good minutes. Um, but – you know, it's, it's, um, you know, they're a frustrating team, especially yeah. for me being from Chicago. I've, I've watched them. You, again, you see the talent, you see what they're capable of doing, but they just, they can't always put it together. Something I wanted to touch on real quick, uh, adding on to what you said, Rachel, about the Sparks. Not only has there been so much inconsistency with their lineup, how ridiculous is it that at this point, we're talking about Odyssey Sims having a scoring high for the month of July at 14 <laughs> points. Like, yeah. she just disappeared this season, and she was part of that one-two wrecking ball punch that the Sparks had. So as she's kind of disappeared, so have kind of this, uh, for lack of a better term, and I hate that I'm using this shitty of a pun, but uh, the Sparks have lost their spark. Um, the Sky, Rachel, I, what are your thoughts on if, if Courtney Vandersloot shows up to the all-star game and does like a halftime switcheroo with Quigley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that both of them can't be all-stars, you know, because I think they both uh, are, are at that level. It's just, you can, you only have so many slots and the guard play is, is what it is. Uh, but I think, you know, you, you look at both of them and just, just this year alone um, for, a, as a, as a whole, Allie's had a tremendous year. She's been offensively extremely consistent um, early on. She kind of had to bear a lot of that brunt when Vandersloot wasn't even there um, as kind of the, the leader on that team. And so um, she gets the nod in my book in terms of the all-star, but uh, for this year, but you know, Courtney Vandersloot is arguably one of the, you know, the top two point guards in this league right now. And, and I'm, I'm sure many people would stand by me on that one. Pat, any last thoughts looking forward to the All-Star game? Well, I think let's look at this. And we alluded to the standings a little bit. Um, we've got six, seven teams separated by two and a half games. Uh, it's a log jam from Atlanta right now that if the season stopped today, the Atlanta Dream are having a second – they are having a playoff bye until the semifinals and would have home court uh, in, into the semifinals. Um, you'd have right now um, – you, as I said, you just have a log gym. So a lot can change. And you alluded to that, Aria. You can have Connecticut could all of a sudden fall, jump from eight to three, or you could have the dream fall from two to six, or the Lynx could get back up into the buys, and Phoenix could fall down. We don't, the wings, who knows? Like, there's so much left to be determined. So I think that's the big thing. And the, and, and the, that goes along with that is like, even though the All Star break is coming here, like, we don't have much left of the season. I mean, it's going to be a sprint from All Star to the end of the regular season, it's like eight, 10 games remaining. And 
you got to make your move now after All-Star. You're not going to be able to say, eh, we got some time. Like, no, people got to come out of All-Star and be ready to go. Um, and then also, too, we got trade deadline tomorrow, Monday night. We're recording this Sunday. This will drop Sunday night. Some of you may be listening on Monday morning or Sunday during the day, Monday. Keep an eye out. We got trade. There could be some trades that go down tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Do we have any um, – anybody think there – anybody is on the block that we think could get traded, do we think? Uh, I don't I don't foresee any movement going on. I think everything's pretty steady, uh, but that's complete shot in the dark on that one. <laughs> yeah, and then we have a couple games. We got pretty much, I think, I think we got – I think a bunch of games Tuesday, and then we have one game Wednesday. Rachel, what are some of your thoughts? I know you wanted to hit on some of these. What are some of your thoughts with these couple games before we head into uh, the break in Minnesota? Well, first off, I think this break is so needed. Uh, These players, uh, these staffs, everybody needs this break desperately. But, uh, you know, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. There's still a ton that's going to happen this week. Even before that, we've got five games. The Washington Mystics are at the Connecticut Sun on Tuesday. That's a big-time matchup. Uh, Seattle Storm are going to be at the Indiana Fever on Tuesday as well. I will be there if you're there. Give me a shout. Um, that one. Or not, don't. Don't give her a shout. <laughs> that one may be not as exciting in terms of standings, but, you know, you never know. I mean, what what if Indiana is able to pull up? They've been knocking off everybody else every, every now and then, so why not knock off the Storm? Hey, if the Storm um, want to win a championship, stats say that they should lose to the Fever just so. <laughs> Interesting. And then you've got the Liberty um, headed to Minnesota and then Atlanta at LA, which is a very interesting game. So on Tuesday night, the two games that interest me the most, Mystic Sun, Dream and Sparks. And then you you end it this week with the Sky at Phoenix, which is an interesting game because the Phoenix not playing well at home in this homestand right now. They went on the road for that, that big stretch. They struggled a little bit. And then it was like this big sigh of relief, like, man, like, like we're at home, we're going to take care of business. Well, they've, they've, they've dropped the last two. So who knows, you know, can they get something going, some little bit of momentum? I think they desperately need that going into the break, but um, still a ton of action going on here these next few days before we do actually get to the All-Star game. Speaking of the All-Star game, if you're going to be there Saturday and you're looking for something fun to do, come to the WNBA Insider post-game show and after party, an opportunity for media, fans, players, team personnel, and anybody with a passion for the WNBA to network, mingle, knock back some drinks. We'll have food menu. It will be a great time. Uh, the first 25 attendees will get a free drink ticket. There's no cover. We're going to do a live podcast from there, folks, with live Q&A from the people in the crowd. And we're going to have some special guests for this podcast. So make sure if you're in Minnesota, even if you're not going to the All-Star Game, you want to be here at Kyrian's Irish Pub right across the street from the Target Center. Make sure you're there. This has been the WNBA Insider Show with me, Arya Schwartz, Rachel Galligan, and Pat Ralph. Each week we cover different topics important to the W.